Welcome back, everyone, to the Xamarin Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest and greatest in Xamarin developments. I am your co-host, James Montemagno. And I'm your producer and co-host, Pierce Bogan. Yeah, I like that little the little short delay as if we haven't recorded in a month and a half, even though we rebooted the show and we're like, we're going to totally be all together all the time, Pierce, and then it didn't happen. I know. It's been so sad. You've been so busy. What have you been up to? Yeah, it's been a busy time. You know, there's some big conferences upcoming. I was at some conferences. I was at VS Live. I was um, traveling just all over the place. I'm about to go on some more holiday trips. And then, uh, you know, what happened is we we did these things called uh, tech summits, which happened kind of after Ignite. They kind of took the, the, the creme de la creme, the cream of the crop of the sessions that were there at Ignite last year. And they did this roadshow that went for, oh, my goodness, like seven months, I think in about 20 different cities called the Tech Summit. And it was focused on IT, but also some dev. And, and I went to a bunch of these. I went to Taipei, I was in Chicago. And and a few weeks ago, I was just in uh, the UK. And then I flew over to Copenhagen to do another one of these. And it was great. I got to do uh, some DevOps section, sections, some uh, Xamarin sessions. And there was really cool, like kind of ask the experts. Um, so yeah, I've been all over the place. It's been pretty bananas. And then of course, build right around the corner. So it's nonstop action here. It always seems like you're on the road. I mean, I've just been chilling here in Boston, not doing too much. Just got a car. So that's pretty exciting. Well, got the old uh, Jeep. So nice and fuel efficient. Mm. Is it one of those like classic yeah. Jeeps? Is it a Jeep where you have to put up the canvas on the side and like, you know, it's like like wind blowing at no, you? No, those Jeeps are awesome. And they're awesome like because I'm from Alabama. And so everyone had those Jeeps. So it's really basic to have those Jeeps. But those Jeeps are awesome, but they're also a lot of work and it would be pretty terrible to drive around Boston with one of those things because it's like it's like a vinyl siding. You can get the ones that have the more permanent siding, but it's a pain to take on and put off. It's not something you can do quickly. And they're also super expensive. So I actually just got like a Jeep Grand Cherokee, which is like one of their nicer, more classic looks. Um, It doesn't look as much like a Jeep Jeep, like a Jeep Wrangler, which is the typical Jeep that you think of when you think Jeep. Um, but it still has some of the same features. So it's a it's a pretty nice car, but I needed something. I love Boston. I live in the city, but I needed something to explore a little bit because I was getting a little a little trapped by all the concrete around me. Yeah, it's a little bit crazy in Boston because there's it, there is a central downtown, but at the same time, not. I mean, you have the the subway system and everything like that. The T, I believe it's called. But at the same time, you really want to get out of the city. It's the same here in Seattle. I'm not going to lie. Is, is We don't have a car. We haven't had one. And we have a great bus system here, which I don't know if Boston does. But our bus system is fantastic. But at the same time, it's like, oh, I want to go you know, skiing or I want to go mountain biking or I want to go that. It's like, well, I need to put my bike onto something. I need to put my skis into something. So we rent zip cars from time to time, but it, it's not a full replacement. So I think if we move further outside the city, we'll... We'll do it, but I, I don't know. But that's congratulations. That's a big. I haven't had a car in like six years. That's crazy. I mean, I figured you were yeah, going to go I mean, all in on a Tesla. Yeah, it's been two years for me since I've had one, and just like you, I mean, I did the zip car option, which is awesome. I mean, for what it is, it's great. Rent a, few, a car for a few hours. You don't have to pay like whatever it is, a hundred dollars a day to rent a car. But there's um, so many limitations. I mean, you can't drive it over 180 miles. So if you want to, you know, take a day trip or something up to go skiing, like you said, or go to the beach, you really can't even do that. So it's fairly limited. And obviously, it adds up if you're renting it all the time, even to run groceries and that sort of thing. And since the public transport is pretty good here, but once you get outside the like, like you said, once you get outside the like downtown area, it's not that great. Um, So like going to Target and stuff is just a huge pain. So it's more of a convenience thing and a pleasure thing than like, I'm going to be commuting to work in my car thing. But uh, it's definitely nice to have. 
Yeah, that's why we actually, we were talking the other day and we're like, oh, should we get a car or something like that? I don't know. And then it's like, well, we can't go to Costco because you can't really go to Costco if you don't have a car. You got to stack up on stuff. I, I just imagine like taking my bike and trying to load up like a 180 pack of toilet paper on my back or something <laughs> exactly. like that, like yeah. just rolling down the street. Um, and plus you have a dog, you have a dog. So you got to, you know, you know, have a little seat. Got to, got to get it a car seat. We ordered, <laughs> we ordered a dog car seat. I hope so. Which I didn't Did even you, know they made. You should really get, you know, like, uh, you know, the Casper beds that they have. Uh, they yeah, actually I have always like hear a Casper, the ads from on podcasts and stuff. Yeah, they actually have a Casper dog bed. So you should get Winnie one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Great. That thing's already spoiled enough. You want to get into this? I want to get into this little Xamarin news. We, 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 we're, you know, we're always restructuring the podcast all the time. And we have so much news, so much. It's, it's crazy. Uh, Pierce is, I go, Pierce, did you put together a doc? And he's like, there's no news. And then I, I was like, let me get at this. And I have like 100 stories to talk about <laughs> in the last few weeks. It's been a busy time, I swear. There's some big, cool announcements. There's some stuff on the horizon. And I think like the biggest thing that's happening currently is, is we've been, you know, like constantly revving almost every single month visual studio for mac um and, and i've been playing around a lot with it we announced it in november at connect i, I announced it i remember that <laughs> that was cool uh and it's a you know uh, cloud and mobile optimized uh, ide for the mac and it's it's super beautiful and they just came out with a brand new release in fact there may be even a newer release even before um this podcast is out but they added some new web editing inside of it. So if you're editing your like razor templates and HTML files, you get like rich IntelliSense all inside of there for your CSS or your HTML. So that's really nice. I've also updated uh, .NET Core and ASP.NET Core support to the latest version, so 1.1. Uh, and they even, like there's little tiny notes like, oh, we upgraded our debugger to make async debugging as natural and simple as regular code. Of course, so it's like great. And, and as you can kind of see, like they're really enhancing and, and trying to make things one to one with what's happening over on Visual Studio 2017, uh, which is pretty cool. In, in fact, I think the, the one of the biggest enhancements is not only just like being able to publish to Azure, but C Sharp 7 support. Have you played around a lot with C Sharp 7 at all, Pierce? No, I haven't messed around with it too much. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. There's like a lot. It's like a lot of little things. Like when C Sharp 6 came out, it was like a little little tweaks and little like little nice things like null checking and things like that. And that's how C Sharp 7 is. So there's things like native tuple support, which is super nice. So and your normal tuples are, oh, I have this method. I want to return multiple values. Well, I could out a bunch of things and that's super annoying. So I return this tuple type, but tuples were always kind of a hack in C Sharp. So you did get like item one, item two, item three, item four, item five. And you're like, that's not very valuable at all. And you couldn't async await them. So they redid all of tuples. So now when you have tuples, they're async awaitifiable. And also they um, they have proper names. So when you return this type, you could say person dot first name because person would be the type or you'd be like first name, last name, whatever the tuple is. So that's super duper nice, um, which I really like. So there's a, there's a tons of other features in there. But, you know, if you're now building stuff in VS 2017 with C Sharp 7 support or VS for Mac, boom, C Sharp 7 support. So that's pretty nice. I saw some stuff with the pattern matching too, and that looks encouraging as well. Not only for like 
obviously doing pattern matching type stuff, but I saw some cases where people were just cleaning up existing code they had where you wouldn't even think you would you could use pattern matching and they were cleaning it up and it looked a lot better, you know, where you have all this if uh, if the value is null then return, if you do if it's not null do this and like all this all this contract type stuff, a lot of that could be cleaned up with pattern matching too, which was pretty cool to see. Yeah, big fan. Lots of other enhancements in there, like obviously new Xamarin updates, some new accessibility and some new testing stuff. So definitely check out the release notes on that, but definitely give us some feedback. We're definitely looking for more and more feedback um, on the uh, the VS for Mac. Yeah, and like you said, there's tons of like little things you don't even consider really that are also in this release. Like we have now taken Visual Studio for Mac and it now integrates perfectly with Apple's Mac OS accessibility platform. So that's really cool. So uh, Visual Studio for Mac, Xamarin Studio was never accessible, which is really sad, but Visual Studio for Mac now completely accessible using all the accessibility stuff on Mac. So that's really cool too. Lots of little nuggets in there and it's definitely worth trying out. And we are actually shipping... I think new previews of Visual Studio for Mac every week or two weeks. So even if you tried it out like three weeks ago, like James said, we're revving it so quickly um, that you're going to want to try out the new preview every time we launch one because new stuff is landing like this web edit editors thing um, where we brought over some of the editors from from Visual Studio on Windows that just landed. So if you tried out the preview before, you didn't have that. So we're adding new things in the previews. It's not just bug fixes and that sort of thing that you see sometimes with previews. Yeah, totally. I'm a big fan. Every time I, I boot it up, there's like something new for me to play around with, which I like. I feel like almost Visual Studio 2017 is is doing the same thing. I think it's already on like it's really weird naming conventions and how it updates is like 15.0, 15.1, 15.2. But there's all these little releases and it's pretty easy to update. In fact, it's really easy to roll back. I uh, was testing some internal bits, which kind of mess up my Visual Studio. But I'm like, oh, man, I need to get back to the base stable Xamarin. And if people have done this in the past, you have to like, oh, I got to go into like, you know, uninstall this thing, uninstall that thing, uninstall this thing, like maybe did it uninstall stuff. But what people don't realize is Visual Studio 2017, like completely redid the installer and uninstaller. So when you uninstall Xamarin, you go into that little installer thing and I, I literally needed to redo it. So I just uninstalled it, the Xamarin checkbox. And then I it, it uninstalled in like 30 seconds because it just deletes everything. And then I said, install. And then 20 minutes later, or less than 20 minutes later, 15 minutes later, boom, everything was back to stable 100% because of how they've compartmentalized stuff, which is super cool. So if you haven't upgraded to 2017, also do that because that's all I'm using all the time. So <laughs> when I have people email me, it's like, I'm having this problem on 2013. I'm like, oh, just upgrade. Something yeah. else that's, that's cool that's been going on is the Xamarin documentation portal, which has you know seen updates you know, constantly over the years, we finally have localization for three languages. Um, so Spanish, Chinese, and Portuguese, we've now gone ahead and localized the getting started and deployment sections, developer.xamarin.com. So just the developer portal or Xamarin docs. So that's really cool to, that's really cool to see because I know that's, that's a barrier is when we have developers who don't speak English as their first language or don't speak English at all and getting started can be a little tricky. Um, sometimes you have to go to like a blog or a third-party website to get the doc. So it's nice to see that we've gone ahead and started uh, localizing some of the documentation. And I know that th there are certainly more languages to come and we're going to continue the documentation effort and uh, in, in expanding that across other sections as well. Yeah, it's super great to see. I mean, they rolled out Spanish, uh, simplified Chinese and Portuguese. Uh, it's a huge undertaking because there's so much documentation. So it's really cool to see um, inside of it. And you can just literally browse the site and just toggle it in the in the actual browser, too, which is really nice. I think it'll automatically figure stuff out. But the blog post that um, 
Joel put together is really nice because even the blog post is translated into all the different languages for anyone reading it. So I thought that was a nice little nice little nod to the translation. Kind of like rolling on the fact of learning in general. So the documentations are great um, that are out there, but I've been a fan and I've given multiple lectures and webinars with Xamarin University, which is our live interactive training for mobile development. So you hop on to classes, um, you interact with the instructors, you become a Xamarin certified developer. And there's a lot of cool things that they've been doing with it is they have all these free lightning lectures and guest lectures, and they also have a free self-guided so you can go and kind of like try it out, like try about like 10 different classes out. But what's really, um, you know, they've lowered the price and they've, you know, over the past year or two, and it was a, it was um, nine, $999 per developer for a full year, which is like a great deal for, you know, 12 months of interactive training and, and getting like classes and on-demand videos and everything like that to really become an expert. And they have almost nearly 100 classes at Xamarin University. But what they did is, uh, this month, they actually not they did two things. One is that they put Xamarin University on the Visual Studio Marketplace, which means that you can essentially tie together your Visual Studio account to pay for Xamarin University altogether. So that way you're not like paying like multiple things. And that's a big deal for um, a lot of organizations for billing. But also they've added a new monthly subscription. So it's it's $83.25 a month. So $18 a month, I guess. I don't know why it's $83.25, I guess the divide, which is less than $3 a day is what they say. But uh, to get to get everything. So you can just do monthly at a time. There's no commitment on it, which is super awesome. And of course, you can always get started with a free trial too. So you don't have to just jump into it. And they have all the self-guided and the free trial. So you can test it out before you go all in and then just simply buy it over on the, the Visual Studio Marketplace. So it's it's crazy, it's, it's a super good deal. And now you can just you know go in, go out. So if your, your, your team is going you know different sprints of mobile development or you have a month down, you're like, oh, I'm just gonna subscribe for a month to Xamarin University, see how far I can get, boom, you're good to go. Yeah, that's really exciting to see because I know that that's something people have been asking for for I guess years now since Xamarin University was introduced. So it's good to see it, it finally happened. Yeah. So uh, last week, or I guess two weeks ago on the Xamarin podcast, we talked about uh, Xamarin Forms with the new Xamarin Forms PM, David Ortnow. Uh, So Xamarin Forms 234 came out two weeks ago. There was a lot of really cool stuff in there. Um, So there was some Android startup stuff, a bindable picker, on-idiom support for desktop, some improvements to XAML C. So I know XAML C has been around for a while. Essentially, take that XAML, compile it down, um, pre-compile it so it's not interpreted at runtime. Going to get a little bit of a speed boost, which is nice. Uh, and tons mm-hmm. of bug fixes. So Xamarin Forms 234 was really, really nice. It's a nice uh, performance and quality release. And like I said, it has a few other cool features as well. And then James actually wrote some blog posts on some other cool things that happened in 234. So I know that there were some changes to device OS. Yeah. So what happened is a lot of people um, upgraded the packages like you do. You know, you should probably fork your branch, you know, fork a branch off and, and test some stuff. But, you know, like me, I just kind of upgrade all my nuggets and see what kind of happens. I'm super excited because who doesn't want, you know, faster and I use Xamarin C on everything and and whatnot. And all of a sudden inside my code, I get little green squigglies everywhere and I go, oh, what's going on with all these little green squigglies? And I had some people reach out to me after the blog post went live about two, three, four. And to me, two, three, four is a little bit I'm, I'm not I'm not in love with the the versioning because there's new features and stuff in here, and I'm a big semantic version person. So this is kind of more like a 2.4.0 in my opinion. But, you know, David and I will agree to disagree on the naming convention. But 
there's a bunch of green squigglies. I don't like green squigglies. I'm like, what's going on? So two things really happen is, is part of this, um, a part of the evolution, which I'm sure David talked about is that there's a lot of things in, uh, all the developments done in the open, not only on GitHub, but in the Xamarin forms evolution where anyone can submit ideas and talk about features. They had this huge thing about on platform, the, the idea of kind of customizing on a per platform basis is good, but it could be better because currently there's like feature flags and there's other things like that. And it's a little bit tricky. So uh, what they did is they said, well, if we're going to redo this, we're going to have to change device.os and target platform because these were enums that would get set and things don't really apply super nice in the code. Instead of all these just being magical enums, they just made them hard-coded strings, like constant strings, which is totally fine. And what they did is they essentially said that device.os is obsolete and you should use runtime platform. Well, runtime platform is a string, but target platform, which you would compare. So you normally say like, oh, if device OS is iOS and do this thing or Android do this thing. Instead of that, they made it obsolete. But the problem was is target platform was obsolete and they didn't tell you what to do with target platform. Well, actually, all you have to do is change target platform to device because now there's device.runtime platform and you can say equals equals device.ios or device.android, which are hard-coded strings. And what this does is this allows this allows flexibility for anyone else that wants to extend Xamarin forms like Tizen or some other platform to create their and extend and have those hard-coded strings um, instead of it being a magical enum that they can't participate in. But at the same time, since this was a kind of an evolution of um, device or on platform, which is a way of saying like, oh, on this platform, do this one thing, which you can do in code behind or in XAML, they essentially removed the code behind version of that, which I never really liked. The code behind version, it said like on platform, and then you'd pass it a bunch of actions to execute code. And you didn't know like when it was going to execute the code. I wasn't a huge fan of it. I really never used it at all. And in my code, I just said, if it's on iOS, do this on Android, do this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they, they kind of agreed with what I did, which they just say, just do a switch case. And since you have pattern matching, you can switch case over anything really, um, that's in there, even for future support. And then they modified the the on platform a little bit different. So this is kind of a good thing because previously you had to say like on platform Android do this, on iOS do this. There's no way of combining things. So now you can say on, in the XAML, you can say on platform iOS semicolon, or no, um, um, comma, iOS, comma, you know, Windows, and it would apply to all three of those platforms at the same time. And there's even a default that you can do too. So it's kind of a nice little change, but it wasn't really made super aware, so I did some blog posts on it and and helped to clarify the air. And we'll definitely link to those in the show notes if you're interested in those. But yeah, that's really nice because I know one of the most annoying things is if you had to do like on platform for really only one of the platforms, you'd have to do it kind of for the others too. And if you had two values that were the same, it was like code duplication and it was just not not nice to see at all. So it's nice to see that I can make my XAML a little bit more concise with that feature. So that that makes sense why they did that. Um, so Xamarin Forms 235, the same week, two weeks ago, actually released, which is really cool. Um, so 235, continuing the story that we've been 
kind of telling with the 2.3 releases in general. A lot of bug fixes, a lot of performance enhancements, and there's some fun other nuggets in here. Um, so as far as performance is concerned, we talked a little bit about this in the last episode, um, but we have this really cool new feature that we're, that's experimental that we're trying out in the pre-release called Fast Renders. And so essentially what Fast Renders do is right now, if you use a just a regular label in Xamarin Forms uh, pre-235, essentially what's going to happen is Everything is in Android in particular is going to be wrapped in a view group or in some other type of element. And this obviously isn't ideal. Say I have 10 elements on my page. At minimum, I'm going to have 20 elements that's going to be produced like in native Android. And so that's more that has to be inflated. That's more that has to be sorted out by the OS. And obviously, the more elements you have on your page, the more that's actually being created behind the scenes. If you have something where maybe an element gets resized or something like that, that's even more elements that are a possibility for GPU overdraw. So essentially, UI would have to redraw over and over and over again to actually get, get it right, depending on the change. So there's a lot of things that have to happen when you have this extra group that every control is wrapped in. Uh, so in 235, they introduced this concept of fast renders and essentially removes that extra like grouping uh, that goes with each control. So uh, in this release, they just did that for button, image, and label, just kind of as a first pass to see if it actually had that big an improvement. It seems like from the community, we've had some uh, decent improvements on pages as you would expect where there's a lot of these elements. Um, and even in scrolling performance, you're not gonna see a huge, you know, a huge boost in scrolling performance, but when you have thousands and thousands of rows and you actually are scrolling through them, it's gonna recover much faster. So when you get to like row 2000, for example, um, you may see a little bit of a slowdown, but that slowdown is much better than it was before. So it seems like fast renders are working out really well. So I expect that to continue to be expanded to the other controls as well. And I know we have a new performance thread in the Xamarin Forms forums. And so if you have any tips or if you have any experiences with fast renders or any of the other optimizations we've been making, please go in there. It's been awesome to see what people are suggesting. Obviously, we're going to continue to make those performance improvements as we move forward to Xamarin Forms. But there's some other cool stuff in Xamarin Forms that's not just performance. Um, so for the list view, we actually now have support for fast scroll. Um, it's a platform specific. So you'll just do like list view dot on and then you'll add uh, Android as the generic parameter. And then you'll just say set is fast scroll enabled to true. And that's all you have to do. And you have fast scroll on Android with Xamarin Forms. Uh, so platform specifics are really nice because you can get essentially that platform specific functionality, things that people are gonna often want to do on Android iOS Windows that aren't exactly cross-platform. Platform specifics allow us to dive into that functionality. And then finally, the big one that I'm really, really excited about that's been in preview for a while, and if you're following along on GitHub, you would have seen, was a preview for macOS. So that's really awesome as well. So now we have a macOS backend for Xamarin Forms that you can try out. Uh, if you go to the blog post linked in the show notes, there's some code that you just have to add to your app delegate. Uh, add the Xamarin Forms 235 Pre-1 NuGet, and you can start building apps for macOS with Xamarin Forms, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, I really, really want to try it out. It, and it's basically the same little startup code. You have like some styles, you have a little bit of kind of creating the window, and then boom, you have an app. I mean, and, and the biggest thing is is that like all this stuff will work. I mean, I think that they even tested my Hanselman form on it and modified it a little bit because obviously not all of the uh, plugins that I use support uh, Xamarin Mac just yet. I've been slowly, slowly trickling out support for it, though, uh, for all my plugins, at least. So that's, I knew that this was on the horizon for a long time. 
So things like my settings plugin and my connectivity plugin and a few other ones I've actually, even, even geolocation, a few other ones I've added Mac support for, at least in my preview bit. So if you're looking, you know, make sure that like whatever, if you're going to go try to do a, a Mac application that you're, the plugins will at least install or, or, you know, do a little bit of on platform there. But yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I want to take some of my apps that are there. I have some, uh, I have some good ideas. Uh, for like my meetup manager application, which I think would be pretty cool uh, to do. I'm just kind of interested about some of the like, yeah, tweaks that I have, such as OAuth and things like that. So I got to figure that out. But besides that, I'm pretty, pretty excited that at least the core support is there. And then it's kind of now up to the community and and for everyone to kind of start making awesome more plugins and and get out there, you know? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And I I think it's really cool as more and more backends come to forms at Connect, we announced Tizen and now we have a Mac OS preview as more and more backends come to forms. It's cool to see like, okay, I have an existing forms app. There's a new backend. How easy or hard is it for me to actually take an existing app I've already written for Xamarin Forms and with just a little effort, bring it to a new platform. That's something I'm really excited to see as we add more and more backends for Xamarin Forms. Yeah, it's kind of funny, too, that we say that it's a, a, a Xamarin Forms back end. Isn't it really just a Xamarin Forms front end because it's really the front end of it, <laughs> like the UI That's layer true. of it? I do. I get it. But yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah. So there's a lot of Xamarin form stuff happening as always. And at the same time, you know, a lot of this stuff is possible because we're always keeping just core iOS and Android up to date. Like uh, I know one thing that we we did, which I didn't link in here is we, you know, added full support for 10.3, which adds some new uh, capabilities for for Xamarin iOS, for instance, and always kind of keeping up with Xamarin Mac and the new previews. So you know, kind of the core technology of, of Xamarin is really enabling Xamarin forms to grow. But like you said, you know, add more platforms and, and see where this where this puppy can go. So um, but yeah, when you're when you're starting to develop these applications, too, there's a few other things that you may run into. I was just literally talking about OAuth and a few other things. And I think one of the big blogs that I wrote recently was some of the big enhancements that we did to TLS support. And, and TLS is the uh, it's kind of your secure socket layer, which people you know say SSL, but it's the transport layer security, TLS. And essentially think of it like a handshake between your app and the server and, and kind of ensuring that uh, all re- web requests from the app are secure and that they're able to talk to each other. So what's really cool is that in the latest versions of Xamarin, we've actually really simplified the support here because there used to be a lot of options in iOS, like do I want this support or that support or this you know, HTTP client or this TLS or this SSL thing? And we've simplified it. Um, kind of by default, just everything gets TLS 1.2 support out of the box. Um, and you can kind of override some of the settings that are there. And, I, and there's some breakdown that I do in this blog post of when you want to use the Android native client, or when you might want to use the managed client, the iOS applications, just in general, everything is 1.2, no matter what. And you get to pick what HTTP client you want. And there's a few different ones. I don't know why you would ever change them, to be honest with you, unless you had some weird like app wrapping happening where you're like, oh, I really need to go down the NSURL session handler. Like I have to do that. And that's kind of a really powerful thing that we do is that we allow you to override the HTTP client handlers that you pass in, and you can pass in one at a time um, inside of there. And this was a big topic because now I do another podcast with uh, Frank Kruger, Merge Conflict, and we did a whole episode just on TLS, which I don't even know how we did a full episode on TLS, but we did, and people really loved it. And I loved it because I was running into all these TLS issues, and I haven't had to think about TLS for a long time in my applications, and then 
meetup.com, just for like meetup groups, uh, changed all of their SSL certs and like broke my applications because I wasn't using proper TLS because I didn't have to for a long time. So, uh, so I did this whole blog post on it and, and hopefully people find it, uh, super nifty. Um, big fan. So. Yeah, I've always found it a little confusing, all the different options, to be honest, because there were so many. Like you said, there were so many things, not only just like that you could possibly do, but so many things in the options. And then you have like third party libraries and you're like, what do I do? I don't know what to pick. It's very confusing. And then, like you said, there's all these possible exceptions and things you can add. So it's nice to see that you just get TLS 1.2 by default. And if you want to opt out in certain scenarios, you can. So that's great to see. Yeah, and it's pretty it's pretty straightforward once you kind of read through the blog post really quick. But hopefully the file new experience to just guide you through it. So if you're doing stuff out of the box, just kind of be aware that's there. Um, and as you're starting to ship your applications, a few last things that we can hint on and kind of talk about this week is that there was a br- some brand new updates to Visual Studio Mobile Center. And, you know, just because we focus on Xamarin development, development stuff doesn't mean that there's stuff happening outside of just core you know, Xamarin, so Visual Studio stuff, VS for Mac, and of course, Visual Studio Mobile Center is kind of like a mission control for mobile apps. So there's build, test, and distribute kind of your DevOps pipeline, and then also some backend services and crash reporting and analytics. And they just rolled out two, quite a few new features, but the ones that are probably relevant for our listeners is that for a long time, Mobile Center, you could log in with your Microsoft account or your GitHub account or just create a new account, and it would link to your GitHub and read all of your GitHub repos. So if you had private or public repos, you could pull those in and build them automatically. But now what you can connect to is uh, you can connect not only to your GitHub, but you can also connect to Bitbucket. So if your code lives there or to Visual Studio Team Services, uh, you can just connect automatically and pull in all your source code. And that's nice because VSTS has unlimited free private repositories that are using Git. So as long as you're using a Git backend, they have a great native support for the Git client of it. And then they added one little awesome kind of feature, which I've always wanted for a long time in our apps. And in fact, a lot of our templates do it. When you do file new app, you would get like a Xamarin UI test application that would just like take a screenshot of your app. Well, you didn't even need that anymore if that was the only thing you were doing is inside a mobile center, there's a, a, a switch, a little toggle that you can just say automatically do a launch screen test of my application after it's built. They will pick out a random device in the test uh, cloud and run your application to make sure it launches and just doesn't crash. And if it does, then you can get the full stack trace and the images and make sure that it's looking correctly too. So it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, definitely head over to mobile.azure.com. That's where it lives to uh, to sign up for Mobile Center and, and give it a test. It's still in preview today, and I know they're going to have a lot of cool stuff coming out pretty soon. And uh, I think before we wrap it up, um, you know, there's a lot of other ways to get Xamarin content, uh, specifically a lot of things that I do, not only the blog uh, that that Pierce and I both do and everyone else at Xamarin. Um, but uh, I also do a show on Channel 9 called The Xamarin Show. You can go to XamarinShow.com. It's a weekly show. comes out every Wednesday. And it has some really cool new um, episodes. Some of them are longer. And then I do these shorter ones called Snack Packs. Uh, snack Pierce pack. has an awesome <laughs> snack pack. Pierce I got a has little an awesome gift, gift that I love sending around in the in the Xamarin Slack little snack pack, and it's James doing like the jazz hands. It's one of my favorite gifts of James. You could put it in the show notes. <laughs> it's that, or we used to we used to have uh, between me, Craig, and Mike Bluestein. Sometimes when you're on stage presenting, you'd always like take your hands and like make big gestures. 
And we'd always say like, how, how big is your fish? Like if you went out fishing and like, you're like, this is how big my fish is. And like someone like put like a bunch of gifts in there, but you know who else did, um, was it, I think it was Michael Stone is one of our MVPs. He, I was on stage at a uh, visual studio launch and I was making like hand motions or whatever. And he, he made some images like me eating a sandwich and like me <laughs> playing an accordion is silly. Um, anyways, so Xamarin show, I had some really cool shows recently this last month. Uh, I actually talk about Realm, which is a super awesome database, uh, how to deploy it to a Linux VM in Azure. So you can do real-time synchronization between your apps. I had um, um, some awesome people on from the Mono Game team talking about building cross-platform games on top of Xamarin and Mono Game. And also I did a snack pack on just installing Visual Studio 2017. So if you're still worried, still scared, don't worry. It's, it's, not, that, it's not that bad. You could just click a few buttons and you're done. So definitely check that out. And uh, the last section, this is the new one. I kind of sprung this one onto uh, Pierce at the last minute before we came in is I thought it would just kind of be fun, even if we have guests on the show, to do this thing called Package slash Tool the Podcast. Um, it's a pretty much a terrible name. I don't know come with a better name. <laughs> package, I wasn't sure, like Nugget, Nugget of the Podcast, but it didn't need to be a Nugget per se. That's the thing is I wanted to say like, what's like a tool or something awesome that we're using uh, inside of visual studio or inside of our apps that, uh, that we could recommend. So Pierce, you go first. So my tool is a visual studio extension works on pretty much every version of visual studio as the, uh, page for the extension shows. Uh, it, it goes back very far to, it looks like VS 08. Um, so it's, it's been around for a long time. You may have heard of it. It's called the snippet designer. So since creating snippets in VS, I've always found a little bit tedious. Now, if you're doing like a straightforward snippet that doesn't have like replacements or anything like that, it's really easy, but it gets really confusing. And honestly, I'm not creating snippets like that often. So I don't remember all the syntax. I got to look it up. Then I got to save it to the right place. It's just a huge pain, honestly, whenever I need to create snippets. So this extension makes it really easy. Literally, I can just type some code, highlight it, export a snippet. I can say what I want to replace, what I want to replace it with and then click export and save it to my snippets folder and it's in Visual Studio. And that's all I have to do. I don't have to remember any of the syntax. I don't have to you know, create a new file, a new snippet file, replace it from the XML file uh, like you have to do right now. Remember all the syntax. I can just right click, export a snippet, boom, done. And of course I use that all the time for a whole bunch of random stuff, but it's just really nifty to have when you need it. I like that. I'm always using snippets where I'm like pulling like little things into the toolbar and then I forget about them. I'd rather them just have it be a snippet that's there. And that's kind of cool too because I think you can export snippets and share snippets. I got to look, look into that. And it works with 2017. I literally just installed it. I didn't know anything about it. I'm excited uh, to check this out. And my tool of the podcast, pick of the week, it's, it's hard to do a pick of the week because it's every other pick of the every other week. Um, pick of the week. I have I actually did a blog on it, which is kind of funny, but John Dick Reth, as you may know him, um, uh, on our team here at Xamarin and Microsoft, uh, made this amazing tool for Xamarin studio and, uh, also now visual studio 2017. It's called the Android key store signature tool. And it does just that it will find your keys, your key store signatures on Android. So this is really important because when you're doing Android applications, you might need to register with Google Play Services or Firebase or something like that. Or even when you want to ship your app, you need to sign some things and you need to get these SHA-1 or 256 or MD5. And even sometimes Facebook needs like the, the SHA that it needs. So what's cool is you can just literally install this into Xamarin Studio or Visual Studio and it will automatically detect 
the Java version that you have installed to find the key store for you so you don't have to run any commands. My favorite part is that it will automatically find the default debug.key store that you use for all your apps. So if you want like a map in your you know, Google Play map, you that's the one that you would use and get the, the key for and then put in there. And you can just hit a generate signatures and then boom, it generates it and there's a little copy button to put it on your clipboard. Or if you want to, you can just you know browse for a key store file and enter your alias and your, your passwords and it'll generate the key store base off of that or the SHA's base off of that, which is super cool. It's a tool that uh, everyone needs and you should put it in there. I'm trying to one day hopefully get it into, into the product itself, but it's a nice, easy, quick download. So definitely check that out. And I think that's it for this episode of the Xamarin Podcast. Uh, you can find me everywhere on the internet. Just Google my name, James Montemagno. Uh, most likely easiest way to find me is on Twitter at James Montemagno. As I mentioned earlier, I do a whole nother podcast on development, technology, and anything that you can possibly think of with my good friend, Frank Krueger. It's called Merge Conflict. You can find it at mergeconflict.fm. And Pierce, where can they find you? On Twitter or GitHub at Pierce Bogan. Boom. And of course, you can follow the Xamarin Podcast at xamarinpodcast.com. Until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Pierce Bogan. <laughs>